Welcome to Public Safety Talk Radio, the podcast for all of our heroes in public safety, including law enforcement professionals, firefighters, EMTs, corrections officers, healthcare workers, and more. The show is produced by the POCUA and is founded upon its soundness initiative. This episode is sponsored by the Finest Service Organization, a provider of line of duty death loan protection through many of our POCUA institutions. I am Ken Bader, your host for Public Safety Talk Radio, and I have an infinitely fun guest. I went across the so-called pond uh, to find this guest, and she is what I would call a podcasting superhero um, with at least three true crime podcasts that I know of that are awesome. Her name is Sarah Ferris, and she is the host and producer of Clueless the Long Con, Stop the Killing, uh, Conning the Con, and also a non-true crime podcast which I have an affinity for, called The Guilty Greenie, which maybe we'll get to, maybe we won't, we'll see. But Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you. That was such a warm welcome. Very nice to be here. I try. I try. You know, I try to welcome my guests. I don't like to make them feel, you know, like they're already on the spot. You know, you would know about that doing like, what, you know, 72 podcasts or what? what is it that oh, you I know. I swear to god i think i might need a podcast intervention i've got another one brewing in me at the moment as well so it's just finding the time to do them but whenever there's a good story just gotta gotta get there you gotta grab it well speaking of speaking of good stories yeah i had the the pleasure of listening to at least you know three of your podcasts you're a super fan (laughs) (laughs) if you've listened to all three of them that is Super fan status. <laughs> well, committed. Well, I love it. Po- Thanks. Thanks pod- very much. <laughs> podcast magazine makes me listen to a lot of podcasts. Go figure. <laughs> so forced to. Yeah. <laughs> but most, if not all of them, are good. But yeah, I covered, I had the opportunity to cover Clueless, the long con. Um, and I'm really interested in Stop the Killing. Yeah, I think that, you know, one of the questions in you doing a number of true crime podcasts, you know, have you learned anything about crime prevention? Have you learned anything about staying away from con men or staying out of active shooter situations? What have you learned? I've learned so much. And I think that's the actual reason that I started the podcasts in the first place, because I mean, if if we go back to the beginning of why I did the very first podcast, which was Conning the Con, it was mm-hmm. because my little sister had uh, found herself swiping right on a serial con man and just unpacking that because in all of my 40 odd years, <clears throat> um, I hadn't come across a con man or been really involved in any real crime so for me general public number one um it was very much a how does this happen how does my intelligent sister um become the victim of of a con and that's exactly what we unpick in all of the podcasts they've all got a purpose and it is basically me just trying to protect myself so I don't get conned or in the case of stop the killing it's really coming at it from uh that community perspective of and I'm a mum you know how can we be safe we've got a responsibility as as members of the community but I don't know what I'm doing and I'm very very lucky that my co-host on that is is one of the world experts in preventing mass shooting so yeah it's all about learning I can't even tell you the number of things that I've learned 
but um, I'm sure you're going to make me think of some. Well, we have time, so you know. Okay. <laughs> but you know what? We'll we'll circle we'll circle back to that possibly. Yeah, mm. I always you know I've I've never been to to the United Kingdom. I always think that you know everybody's so polite over here. You know, even with crime. You know, here you know they say give me your effing money. You know, over there I'm thinking they're probably saying <laughs> cheerio. I'm taking your money today. Is that what it's like? <laughs> Generally, the people that are saying cheerio um, are getting their money taken from them, I would suggest, Ken. <laughs> no, um, and I'm not going to do a really bad impersonation of anyone um, over here because I will, it'll be a career limiting accent, that, accent that's for sure. But um, yeah, no, generally, it's a lovely place to live, let's just say. I mean, I'm originally from New Zealand, so again, love places to live. Exactly. Exactly. I've never been to New, New Zealand either. I would think that uh, <laughs> crime would be polite there too. Uh, hashtag sarcasm there. But let's let's dig a little bit more. The main topic that I really <laughs> want to cover for our audience um, is is your work on the Stop the Killing podcast because I know our law enforcement mm. listeners would love nothing more than to prevent you know more mass shootings going forward if they could press a button and not have any mass shootings um that would be you know perfect for them so talk to me a little bit more about stop the killing as well as you know your expert podcast host with you Catherine Schweit um what are some of the suggestions to prevent mass shootings before they even happen yeah, well, um, to go back to who my co-podcaster is, um, Catherine Schweit is the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. And after the Sandy Hook school massacre in 2012, she was tasked by uh, the White House to put together the first ever research into mass shootings and you know whether or not they were actually increasing or was it just media hype? Um, so she put together this... Uh, study that was you know 100 I think it was 160 active shooter cases broke it down and really that's her I mean that is her jam she knows that mm -hmm. stuff inside and out she's really is an expert in it now I came to that party as a outsider to the U.S. looking in um, having met Catherine by stalking her on Twitter and having some conversations <laughs> and saying, listen, can we have a conversation about, you know, what the hell is going on in America? You know, is the solution just get rid of the bloody guns? Because that's what everyone outside America is thinking. Three seasons in, I'm now a lot brighter. Uh, I've come along an, a long way on my understanding of how complicated mm. that, you know, solution is. And it really, what I've come away with learning from Catherine is it's really a, a lot of puzzle pieces that mm. will help in preventing uh, mass shooting. So it's not just one simple thing, but definitely, um, and we are very much just give you the facts on the podcast. Mm. We're not political. Um, we come at it with, you know, trying to answer those big questions. Are all guns bad? We have episodes on that. We look at the research. Uh, is it mental health? Is it mental illness? Are all mass shooters, you know, it's sitting in a basement. We look at the research that she's done and try and break that down and just come up with helpful ways that we can be the eyes and ears to watch and see a person that might be on a pathway to violence. And that's the real key because mm -hmm. there are, what I have learned is there's, there's 
points along the way before the trigger is in the hands of these horrific, you know, humans that are intent on doing evil, um, that we can, as a community, spot them, see the leakage, spot the signs of, of telegraphing that information. So, yeah, I mean, that's probably one of the key things that I've learned. Yeah, it's great comments there. I truly believe that you stalked Catherine Schweit uh, because she went to the best university in the world, DePaul, <laughs> out of Chicago. Mm, well, did she go to DePaul or she teaches at DePaul? I don't know that she went to DePaul. Oh, if she, if, she, if she has a degree there or teaches there, if she has a direct connection <laughs> to DePaul University in Chicago, Illinois, you know, she's she's got to be, you know, one of the top level thinkers. Well, I'm really sensing some bias here. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. Are you going to break out into one of those American things where you go, go greens or something like that? <laughs> go blue American demons. Let's, let's, let's see if I could find my two degrees from there somewhere in the closet that I haven't put up on a wall yet. Um, but getting back in a serious <laughs> mode where, where I don't like to stay too, too often, um, Oh, here, neither do I. <laughs> being being in America, um, in you know, being you know an American, living here all my life, you know, there's kind of two sides of that story. There's the anti-gun folks, and then there's the the mentally ill. We need to cre create some solutions to that. Um, it's my estimation that I think, in my opinion that the laws that are out there are there to protect the mentally ill more so than the folks that may be the victims of this mental illness. We can go into evil and so forth. But yeah, as you mentioned, there are clear signs. And I think we're starting to to pick up on that. You know, what you know, from your podcast, Stop the Killing, you know, in the data, you know, what are some of those signs, some of those steps that you you see out there looking back at some of the past mass shootings? And what are some of the things that we can learn from that to try and prevent those? I mean, there's so many little, you know, you go back to any story uh, of a mass shooting and there's always the neighbor, as Catherine would say, that says, oh, he was a bit hinky, he was a bit off. There's always just something, but that's always after the fact. And I think the real hurdle and getting those pieces of information to law enforcement is that people only get a tiny piece of the puzzle mm -hmm. and in isolation you might not be the one that picks up the phone because mm, you know that guy's just looked at me a bit sideways or he's you know I saw him looking at a gun website over his shoulder at university or what you know all those little pieces of information don't make sense as a whole but um you know and there's one example that was in our very first episode we did on the Sandy Hook massacre, and mm -hmm. Catherine gave me a little test at the end of the of the bit we do on the did you pass? Profile. We never use the shooters and in ours. Uh, sorry, did you pass? Did the I test? pass? No, I failed. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> of course not. Um, but well, no, I'm and I'll show you how badly I failed, Ken, actually, because the <laughs> test was, would I have reported anything that she yeah. had talked about? And I said, well, no, I don't think I would have. And she goes, well, one of the examples that she'd given to me was the neighbor had seen that um, the next, the, the shooter's bedroom had been like the window had been covered with paper or mm. darkened for several months before the shooting and she said well would you not have thought to report that and I, was, I said 
No, Catherine, actually, I wouldn't have thought to report that because, you know, that's my neighbor. It's just one thing. I wouldn't think it was my place. But what I've learned along the way is that that is above my pay grade to know whether or not that is a useful piece of information. If I can get that piece of information to the police, it might be the last piece of the puzzle that Mm. they need to just go knock on the door of a welfare check. And, you know, most of the time, these people aren't necessarily going to be mass shooters. It might be somebody that's like signaling some suicide and, you know, ideation Mm. or something along those lines. So it's just about looking out and being caring for people around you. Um, And I do think that's the biggest barrier is to feel the confidence to report to the right people. And that's something we bang home every week on the podcast. Yeah, that is an excellent point and one that aligns well with something that I've heard from several people in law enforcement, whether it be FBI, local police, sheriffs, whatever. Um, and it goes along with that, you know, whole theme of see something, say something. And you know, even even yeah. on a base level, I've I've been at some community meetings led by police commanders, and they've always said, you know, that you know, people after the fact say, well, you know, I thought something was weird, but you know, either either a pol- out of politeness or apathy or what have you, they didn't report it. And I remember one police commander saying, you know, if if you really, really just instinctually feel that something is a little off, you have my permission to call 911, even if you don't think it's yeah. a, an emergency. And he said, you know, if it's it's our job to ascertain the level of a threat. Yeah, if if you call if you call us and you find a suspect and you find something suspicious and we go and we find everything's okay. We're not going to be upset. We're going to be happy. We're doing our job. Not everything's okay. Okay, it's all in a day's work. But nothing is more frustrating than a family coming back from a vacation, having their complete house basically ransacked with everything of value taken out, and them talking to neighbors like, "Yeah, you know, I saw this guy. I never saw before walking with John's big screen TV out to a van, and I thought that was strange, but you know, I really didn't think much of it afterwards." Now a word from one of the POCUA's proud business partners, OfficerPrivacy.com. OfficerPrivacy.com was founded by Pete James, a law enforcement professional with over 25 years of experience. Pete wanted to find a way to help law enforcement officers protect themselves and their families. So he formed a team to create a way to quickly identify and remove their information from certain sites. OfficerPrivacy.com is the result. This service is already offered through a select few of our POCUA organizations. As a listener of Public Safety Talk Radio, you can take advantage of a special offer from OfficerPrivacy.com. Go to OfficerPrivacy.com slash POCUA, and when you sign up, you'll get two additional bonuses. In addition to removing your personal information from the top 30 people search sites, they will give you your first two months of monitoring free. This is a value of $39.98. In addition to that, you'll receive a cell phone privacy device, a $19.99 value. This prevents data from leaving your cell phone when you use public charging stations and is a must when traveling. So go to officerprivacy.com slash POCUA today to take advantage of this offer and to protect your privacy. 
organizations who are members of the POCUA and are interested in offering the service directly to their members, contact us at POCUA at btcinc.org. I know. And, you know, like you've hit the nail on the head. I think what it is, and, and we've just had an episode on this just recently, Catherine and I had a conversation on it. The people that you think as a person in the community that will be closest to this potential shooter, for example, um, the family members, you know, the best friends, the aunties and uncles, those people are the circle just outside. They're not the ones that are in normally to report for you know I call it we call it the hesitation ring of people because if they pick up the phone to really think about what the impact is for a child or people on the outside of that situation um have the expectation will report the leakage because mm -hmm. they are the closest person to see it they might be seeing for example that uh this shooter might be a child of theirs that they are buying ammunition, there's packages being delivered to the house, there's doors being locked in the house. All mm -hmm. of those things you think, okay, well, they're in the perfect position to report that. But the reality is that those people are far more invested in not reporting that. They will yeah. find every other solution rather than reporting it to the authorities. And that's when it becomes, you know, the the neighbor, the teacher, mm -hmm. you know, the acquaintance the friend of a friend that needs to pick up the phone and it all comes down to that information of you know I can't say often enough it's above our pay grade to know if you, you've got that icky feeling in your stomach that something's not right but it doesn't make sense don't run through okay what am I reporting or oh, what could that mean you don't know what it means but you've got a little piece of the puzzle hand it to someone who might be able to put it together and there's only two outcomes one it's Mm -hmm. You know, nothing happens in terms of it's, you know, there's what's the police knock on the door. That's them doing their job. Like you say, they're not going to say, oh my God, you wasted our time. Well, two, you stop something that is absolutely horrendous. So, you know, sliding door situation, just pick up the phone. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agreed. And yeah, I think that, you know, there there's a lot of talk here in the U.S. And, you know, obviously you have the anti-gun folks, which I am not a part of, um, my opinion, my choice. Uh, I think that, you know, we need to have some better laws to protect the taxpaying citizens here. But that's a whole different discussion. Um, but, you know, and I do realize that, you know, the mentally ill, you know, everybody has rights. We don't want to take those rights away. You know, we, we walk a slippery slope when we start doing that but you know there are you know basic whether you want to call them laws or actions that we could use to our advantage and you know you said it perfectly that welfare check yeah, that that is something that we could use. And you don't know, you know, maybe you know, you see somebody with blacked out windows all of a sudden. You know, maybe, maybe that is truly nothing, but maybe there's been five, six, seven different reports on this person. And that's the last piece where it says, okay, well, somebody's called this in. We could do a welfare check. We have it within our rights. We can't just basically, you know, knock on any door that we want, but we have we we have a reasonable cause to go and knock on this door. 
Um, and that may yeah. be that sixth piece of the puzzle that we say, all right, yeah, th there's something here. And I think one of the other hesitations that people have is that when they report or they have a piece of information is where do you report that to? And that confidence that it's actually going to go somewhere uh, and trusting that law enforcement is going to take that piece of information and act on it. And one of the things that we've discussed several times on our, on, on Stop the Killing is that, you know, the FBI tip line is international and they have a process that it will get back to the, to the local office, wherever it will get passed on. There are processes in place if you don't want to go to your local law enforcement, but you know, don't just go to one place if you feel mm -hmm. like you've got something. You can go to your, if it's a school, that you know, if it's a student, go to the school. Go to your local pastor, your local church, your local mosque, your local wherever that this person is connected to and give that information to as many people as you can. You don't have to just trust one tip line if that's your issue, but don't hold on to it. Right. Right. Yeah. As as we begin to close up a little bit here, you know, the last obvious question is you know, a tip or two on crime convention. And, you know, I think the number one tip is follow your instincts. Um, you know, in fact, yeah, this is a little bit of a preview to the next episode. I had the pleasure of speaking to uh, a couple of crime prevention experts from the Seattle Police Department. And that was kind of their number one tip is, you know, trust your instincts. If you feel something's off, if you feel something's a little bit wrong, you know, trust that that may be the case and act accordingly. It doesn't necessarily mean that you, you need to grab, you know, a full on sword, uh, but Maybe that means that you need to call somebody. Maybe that means you need to cross the street. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I think along the way, you know, and then we get into those conversations, like you say, about the guns, 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 and then the mental health. And, yeah. you know, we've just recently done a really excellent episode that just solidifies all of the research on the correlation between mental illness and these mass shootings and what the research tells it's actually quite shocking that um it, it's really it's really not impactful four percent I, I don't want to say the numbers because i know i'll get them wrong but if you go back <laughs> and listen to that episode that is really full of great numbers that Catherine gives you um but the, the point is that something along the lines of four percent of those mass shootings um have been diagnosed with a mental illness yeah so you know 96 percent aren't and how can we bring that number down the 96 percent mm -hmm. and i think that's all those pieces of the puzzle like you know just slowing making sure that we put some hurdles in place mm -hmm. so that if somebody is intent on getting to the end game which is a mass shooting of some description they've got to jump some hurdles to get there and some of them will trip on the way and they won't get to the end game yeah and if we can put as many hurdles in the way as possible then i think I mean, who am I to say? I've got no experience in this, but logic would suggest that not everybody will get to the end. Well, you're at least in in hosting or co-hosting Stop the Killing and you work with that. You're at least a junior expert by now. <laughs> I, I don't listen. Um, I'm not as dumb as I used to be. That's where we'll go with that one. <laughs> <laughs> you were you were never dumb, Sarah. <laughs> maybe maybe you were naive at times, like we all are, <laughs> but you were good. never dumb. There's a difference. Um, yeah, yeah. Interesting question. I'll you know, I that. think. 
<laughs> I think a lot of people, you know, think that, you know, mass shootings are mass killings, if you will, because sometimes people don't need just a gun to be able to do that. Yeah, is is an American problem. Yeah, in your research, in your work on the podcast, you know, you know, do you see it in the UK? Do you see it in in you know Saudi Arabia? Do you see it in these other countries? And and does it take a different slant, or is it just still somebody you know killing a mass group of people just in a different country? Well, it's so funny that you, well, nothing funny about that, but it's interesting <laughs> that you say that yeah. because on the, we do cover global uh, mass shooting or, as you say, mass killing incidents on the podcast. Mm. So, for example, in season three, we've got the Dunblane massacre in Scotland, for example. We've covered two from New Zealand, which is the grand total of all mass shootings in New Zealand, to be fair. Mm. But um, the point is that really in the last since the the whole social media has burst onto the scene what we've what we've found um and when i say we i mean <laughs> the fbi not me but yeah. what catherine has found is that the border it's hatred without borders now because mm -hmm. the access to the internet is the christchurch shooting in new zealand for example inspired the buffalo shooting in new york you know um is it Buffalo, New York? I hope yep. I got Bu that yep. right. No, you got it. Buffalo, New York. Yeah. Thank you. So, yeah, like things like that. So the Christchurch shootings influencing the Buffalo shooting, the Buffalo shootings influencing, you know, a shooting elsewhere over the, across the pond somewhere else. And it's all just bouncing around the world. It's honestly hatred without borders. And it is not any longer a U.S. contagion. Yeah. It's, it's very much a global contagion, which is tragic. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and, you know, I think we'll, we'll kind of close unless, you know, here's a, here's a very good question. Other than the obvious, which we've already talked about is that instinct. If you see something, report something is, is there a number one, another number one tip, or maybe a number two tip on what we should be looking for to lower the number of mass shootings or the probability of mass shootings, whether it be here in the U.S. or beyond? I probably would say that's definitely more Catherine's remit. But one thing I would say is that if you ever do find yourself in that, make sure that you know run, hide, fight. Yeah. That's the next step. You know, we can do everything to prevent it. But in that moment, if you're not prepared, then you set yourself up for disaster. So make yourself aware of run, hide, fight. Make sure that they're training it in your business, in your schools, in appropriate ways. Yeah, that's a that's an excellent piece of advice. I've talked to a number of self-defense experts, some that even you know train law enforcement and military. And I've said this before on on the show, you know, the number one tip that I always get is choose safety, um, which goes perfectly along with the mm -hmm. run hide fight, because if the mass shooting is starting all the way on the other side of the building, you you have the opportunity to run. You know, if you run and will be you know in full sight then you know you probably need to hide but in that and that's your true safety but at other times when when that person is three feet away from you and you can't run or hide the true safety is you've got to fight for your life so that's an unfortunate situation or a reality that we have to live in in our world today um as we wrap up yeah. here 
um, for all the folks out there, you know, that want to listen to your great podcast, number one, obviously stop the killing, um, clueless, the long con, which we didn't talk much about, but I had the opportunity to listen to every single episode. And that's very, very rare for me. Listen to every episode. If you're a fan of American greed, um, that is a great type of podcast. And, uh, there's an article on podcast magazine on that. Um, also conning the con and we didn't even talk about guilty green for all of our law enforcement spouses out there especially those <laughs> moms and wives that you know are are want to be a, a little bit more sustainable and green in their house guilty greeny is is uh, is a much more laid back podcast than stop the killing and a lot of it fun is. i also covered that so for those folks that want to listen to a sarah ferris podcast out there how best can they find them well, they are available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You've and done this I before. Guess if you, I, I have done yeah. <laughs> Not my first rodeo. But <laughs> if you do um, want to find a place where you can find all of the different podcasts that I'm working on, you can go to my Instagram, which is at Community. C-O-N, see what I did there? Community Podcast. Oh, Perfect. Sarah, it is always a pleasure to talk to you, whether it's on Podcast Magazine, we're talking about Guilty Greedy, we're talking about something heavy like Stop the Killing. You are always a joy to have a conversation with. Thank you for being Aww. on the show. Ditto, Ken. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> all my pleasure. And thank you to all of you who have either watched or listened to this episode of Public Safety Talk Radio. And we'll be back with you next week with another great guest. Public Safety Talk Radio is produced by the POCUA. POCUA is a consortium of financial institutions serving law enforcement as well as other first responders and public safety professionals. To learn more about our association and to find one of our credit needs or service providers near you, go to www.policecreditunions.com. And always remember, if you aren't working with one of our POCUA credit unions, you're just banking with an institution that just so happens to serve first responders. As a public safety professional, you and your family deserve better. Find a POCUA credit union today.